Hi, I'm Graham Barrett, and welcome to Marketing Futures, a series of the C-Suite podcast that we're producing in partnership with SAP. On this episode, we're taking a look at the upcoming holiday season, encompassing staple days in the calendar, such as Black Friday and Cyber Monday and the build-up to Christmas. How do brands differentiate themselves in what has become such a crowded and competitive period? And what does the backdrop of global economic downturn mean for a brand strategy this year? We have a stellar lineup from the world of fashion to discuss these questions and more. So I'm delighted to introduce Stephanie Urban, VP Direct to Consumer at the Camuto Group, Sarah Townsend, Digital Experience Manager at Diane von Fustenberg, Taylor Donnell, Vice President Content and Partnerships Marketing at Jebit, and Robin Barrett-Wilson, Industry Executive Advisor, Fashion at SAP. Welcome to you all. So yeah, we're talking about Black Friday, the run-up to Christmas. Black Friday has been the busiest shopping day of the year in the US since 2005, and now obviously extends into the following week with Cyber Monday, or more likely Cyber Week. Robin, you are the fashion expert at SAP, so it'd be great to get your insights on kind of the mood of the fashion industry as we approach this holiday season. Thanks for having me, Graham. Great to be here. My favorite topic, as, as you know. So it's interesting. There's a lot of conversation about inflation, supply chain, as well as, you know, the National Retail Federation came out with their predictions for holiday. Uh, I was actually able to get a little bit of a sneak peek. We are still going to see a very robust holiday season. Black Friday is going to be a very good one, as well as the week, the month, people are already shopping for holiday. A couple of things that I think are going to happen. And if you haven't been out on any of the websites recently, you'll see that Coach and some of the others already have their virtual metaverse shops out. So gifting is going to happen very early. People are going to look to spend money on gifts this year. And I do think that people are going to dress up. So we're going to see quite a bit of uh, gifting going on in fashion. And we are going to see those of us who like to have the latest and greatest fashion design included in our festivities for the holidays. It's going to be a good holiday season. Yeah. Okay. And Stephanie, what about you? You're VP Direct to Consumer at the Camuto Group, as I mentioned at the start. Do you approach the holiday season with excitement or maybe a little bit of trepidation as well? And how do you create a sense of urgency and ensure your offerings are seen in front of everyone else's? Yes, definitely. I would say excitement just because it's such a, a big moment for a brand. And we love creating the content that really drives her in and gets her excited to shop with us. So lots of excitement, lots of pressure, obviously, as well. But I think just working together as a team to build those moments that drive excitement is what kind of powers you through the day. Sure. And just give us a brief overview of Camuto Group for our listeners. I mean, you're very well known globally, but for our listeners who don't know, give us a little bit of an overview of the Camuto Group. Sure. I'm actually responsible for VinceCamuto.com and our D2C presence. So the, the Vince Camuto brand has been around for over a dozen years, and we're really just trying to ramp up our e-com presence. Awesome. Sarah, coming to you, your digital experience manager at Diane von Fustenberg. How much of a challenge is it for you to get the strategy right around days like Black Friday? I think for us, the biggest challenge is that we are not a gifting brand. We really don't have sort of gifting pieces. We sell women's clothes and a lot of our customers think of us for occasion wear. So we're really excited that this holiday season, it seems like there are going to be a lot more parties, a lot more events happening. So that's really how we're kind of structuring or 
or the angle we're taking with our content is that that's what our customers come to us for. We're excited that she's going to have more events to go to. Our holiday strategy is really more about having that fun piece to wear for your events. And is this something that you learn year on year? Do you take the lessons from, say, last year's Black Friday and realize some of the things that you did well, some of the things you maybe didn't do so well? Yeah, we did try to take a bit of a gifting angle last year and just found that we don't have the audience for that. Not the right product selection um, and the customers who we are able to reach tend to be women who are shopping for themselves. So we saw last year that our content around dressing for holiday events is what did well for us. We're going with that this year and not focusing on the gifting aspect of it. And I think we also have found that in our promotional messaging, if we get too promotional, we tend to have our customers turn off a little bit. One of the things that we found that works really well is to actually show sort of our regularly scheduled programming with the promotional messaging added on top rather than leading with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, big sale um, is really to actually lead with our regular content and then say, and it's on sale right now. That's certainly the strategy that we're going to take this year. Customers are out looking to get out. They want to get out of the house. They want to go to the parties. They want to socialize. So it sounds like a really great strategy because that's what people want to do right now. If we think about it, this is really the first holiday season where we haven't really had the dread of COVID and those types of things. And so, yeah, people are ready. They're ready to get out and, and have a good time and, and see people they haven't seen in a long time and, and wearing those great outfits is part of it. Taylor, what about you? What are your thoughts on uh, the points raised so far and your thoughts on how brands cut through the noise? As I said at the top, this is such a competitive part of the year. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I think what's really unique of what I've heard so far, right, is, and for you, Sarah and Stephanie, right, is everything you're talking about is just completely organic to who you are and the ethos of of your brand, your company that you work for. And I think that first and foremost, that's key and core, right? Like if you all of a sudden do something that's just going to throw consumers off, I think you're going to do the exact opposite of of what you said, Stephanie, right? Which is you're not going to create moments of excitement. You're going to create moments of like, what is actually going on here? So I think I think that's one component, of course. I think the biggest thing when I always think about just brands to consumers, regardless of, of holiday promotion, it's where and how can you offer genuine value to those consumers? And there's obviously different consumers at different stages of the funnel. There's consumers that aren't even in the funnel yet, for example. So I think there's always those opportunities to think about like, hey, are, are there ways in which maybe I can personalize a path to purchase, for example? Sarah, it could be trying to understand what are those events that they're going to this year, right? Is their focus on New Year's Eve? Is it Christmas Eve? Is it Christmas holidays? Is it something after that, right? And like being able to guide them to the most relevant product for them, I think is, is a key and core part of this. Holiday is one component of this. If you acquire a new customer during the holidays, there's that huge component, right? Of like, how do I then market to this consumer? after the holidays. And I think, Sarah, you you alluded to it. Maybe it's a little bit easier sometimes because it's business as usual. Keep things going as they are. And it's not going to be too promotional. But oftentimes, sometimes people are shopping for somebody else, right? And so if you can understand who it is they're shopping for, again, you can start to make that relationship post-holiday much more relevant. So I think that there's just the genuine value aspect of during the actual Black Friday holiday season. And then I think there's like thinking ahead to that post-marketing. And, and of course, Stephanie, I know like you're thinking about this all the time with D to C, right? There's like the retention and LTV component that ties into all of that. And how do you maximize those relationships? So yeah, I think that's two of the biggest things I'll say. Yeah, sure. Stephanie, Sarah, I don't know if you want to pick up on any of those points. Sarah, I'd be interested to know from your point of view, 
Telly was just picking up on, is it a Christmas Eve? Is it a New Year's Eve? Is it an office party, maybe? Are there particular days you're thinking of? Is it more generic than that? Oh, no, I, I think we are trying to be that specific. And I, I think we're trying to come up with product selection suggestions for all of those. We did an email last year for what to wear at the office holiday party. And it was one of our top performing emails of the month. We were just kind of like, what if we throw out an email about this? And we saw a really good response to it. So I think we now know, okay, that that's something that she's thinking about and a piece that she wants. She's looking to buy something for that event. So we're, we're trying to be specific, but I think also cover all of it. We'll, we'll have New Year's Eve, Christmas, what to wear for the home family time on Christmas and the office party, all of it. If you guys have any suggestions, what are you shopping for? Stephanie, one of the things I was curious about was obviously you, you talked about creating those moments of excitement. How do you think about that? Are there certain things that like, you've seen work really well or is it, I'm eager to hear more? Definitely. No, I think our goal is to just be constantly testing and learning what our customer responds to. And we've recently ramped up the content that we're actually shooting in-house in studio as well. And some of the content that we originally were shooting more specifically to run on social, organic social, or paid ads, we've been pulling into email and seeing really great responses there too. So we're seeing just that constant animation or something that looks a little bit more elevated and fun, inspires her to click through and, and see what we have available. So we just launched our gift guide this week and that was a successful strategy for us last year. So we're trying to ramp that up. And I think an element of that is treating yourself as well. So similar to what Sarah was saying, we're not necessarily all about gifting, but how do we get her excited to come find a pair of shoes that she can't wait to wear to her holiday party? Yeah. That's great. Thank you. I'm, I'm so glad you said that too, because we're, we've actually seen that as our customer base starts to get very close to now actually rolling everything out in preparation. That's one of the biggest trends we've seen is taking the shift in messaging from like, hey, we're going to help you find the right gift or you know product, et cetera. It's more like treat yourself, right? Like mm -hmm. this is the year to do it. And I think, again, like tying it back to what you guys are doing and, and focused on that. And then Sarah, again, it's like, this is the year, right? Like last year there was, I live in Florida, so people were out, but, but this is the year, right? Like there's not really the question mark that there was in the past few years. I think there's that opportunity there as well. Yeah, for sure. Robin, we've heard a bit from Sarah and Stephanie about their strategies around uh, the holiday season that's coming up. What do some of the most successful and the best campaigns look like from your perspective? Both Stephanie and Sarah make a really good point, right? You have to think about being more personalized, which is without a doubt, those are the best ones. Those are the campaigns that really do rise to the top. We get so bombarded with so much nowadays. Consumers are just overwhelmed with how many emails. So if there's something that's very specific and very personalized, those are going to do very, very well. You know, we're seeing gaming, no doubt about it. The metaverse is peeking through. I mentioned Coach. So if you go out and take a look at Coach, you know, they've got a, a great little game going on, but within the game, it really, I mean, it's really sweet. It made me giggle. I felt like a little kid, but you can purchase within the game and, you know, find the dinosaurs and you get 15% off and that type of thing. Ralph Lauren also, you know, if there's not a Ralph Lauren store that's near you, which there's not for me, I can go and virtually and literally go through the store virtually and really be involved and engaged. Stephanie mentioned that, you know, emails that have things that are moving or really capture your attention. There's no doubt about it, that whole virtual reality and, and taking a look a little bit like what does the future look like for shopping is definitely intriguing for those folks out there. Promotions, mm, you know, I think a lot of people are locked down what they want to buy. 
for the holidays and they're making their list. But I think the campaigns that will do well are the ones that kind of make us go, oh, look at that. (laughs) Robin, in theory, we assume that it's just going to get better year over year over year. But do you think this is kind of like make or break year for, I guess, like truly introducing the metaverse for a shopping experience? I feel like it was so new last year versus this year. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think the metaverse is a great opportunity to to experiment. I don't know if the metaverse is for everybody, and there are going to be various levels of the metaverse for everybody. Vans has done a great job of putting their Vans world in Roblox. They've got the twin product, and there's a whole bunch of young kids now who are running around with Vans that are all black and white checks, like what I wore when I was a kid. And that's been really, really successful, you know, but I think it's going to be a variation of the metaverse. I think it's a time to try and, you know, it's a small amount of money for an investment to see if it'll work for your customer. The one thing I will say from somebody who's been in this business for a really like over 30 years, I hate to say it, and I'm 21, you know, this is a great opportunity to keep your customers that are getting older or to find the new customers, right? So, you know, you've got your core customers with a legacy brand. You want to keep those customers happy, but you have to find new customers to really come in behind them. There have been some great legacy brands that are no longer around that I used to shop a long time ago. The Limited comes to mind. The Limited didn't grow with me as I got older. And so they lost me as a customer which is a sad thing, but then they kind of lost where they were for a younger generation. So this is a great opportunity to talk to a younger generation in a different way and really get your brand out there in front of them because they are digitally, much more digitally inclined. I've not heard the limited in so long. I aged myself. I just aged. You just brought mall memories back to my sixth grade self, sixth, seventh grade self. That's a great point. And I actually wanted to ask Sarah and Stephanie what you guys just thought around it. Because to me, it kind of ties into retention to a certain extent, understanding where consumers are, right? Like in their their life cycle stage with you as a fashion brand, whether it's, you know, they're net new, like how do you think about retention post-holidays or like as Robin was alluding to, like some of those customers that maybe they're on the fence, right? Like, and it's either you keep them or you bring in new ones. Yes. This is something we talk about often. I think as a brand that's over 15 years old, we constantly have to keep an eye on that core audience and retain them over time and then focus on where we're going to grow new. And so that that's a big piece of our strategy. I think we're moving more and more towards kind of having a dual path strategy and we're not there yet, but it is part of the acquisition play that we're running on paid social. And what we need to do is really ramp that up across all of our channels over the next year or two. I think that's similar for us. As a 50-year-old brand, we have customers who have been shopping since the 70s. They know what they like and what they expect to see from us. You know, and, and we certainly we value those customers and we want them to to always feel like we have, you know, we have product for them. Um, but we're definitely thinking about, I don't know that we have the answers, but we're thinking a lot about how we also bring in a younger generation. Yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And but I mean it's like a, a dual track is tough constantly, right? Because any organization right now, I think, is just naturally if, if they're not at this point already, they're anticipating just the time where they have to take a step back and go, okay, like, how do I still do all of the things I'm doing today? And probably even more with less, right? And so it's like, how do I consistently drive acquisition and retention simultaneously? How do those two things play into each other? And I think it's really unique. I know Amarsis, which is part of SAP, of course, I was reading through their Black Friday playbook that they put out. And 
a few things that I thought were really interesting. I was like, yeah, like fine tuning your messaging based on your audience, your existing audience. Ideally, there's some type of like segmentation that they're in that maybe informs the messaging that they're getting versus just that broad range message, but also just like leveraging automation, progressive profiling. One of the other things that was unique, and I was curious to get your guys' thoughts on, if there's any offline to online component, right? Whether that's like leveraging QR codes, of course, have become hot again. And curious to get your thoughts on that as like an acquisition channel. For us, we actually now only have one flagship retail store. So we do have a presence with our wholesale partners, but we really don't have much of an IRL presence at the moment. So that, that's been something that in the last few years has been kind of a shift in us kind of <laughs> convincing our customers to move online after shopping in our stores throughout the countries. Now, of course, we're trying to think backwards, you know, how do we also have a presence in the real world and make people feel comfortable shopping online? It seems like you guys have done a really good job on like the community aspect online, like branching out, obviously beyond the retail side. My wife, by the way, tipped me off because she's a facial plastic surgeon, right? So I know you have like the spotlight, right? The women's spotlight, DVF woman, I believe is what it is. Yeah. The book club, like those types of things that, I mean, communities become such a I don't even want to say buzzword because it's important, yeah. especially in you know direct to consumer and just when you're you're online, right? So I think it's been really cool to see that, and hopefully there's a lot of engagement, and people are leaning into that. Yes, I'm happy to hear that that's circulating because it's something that I think our team really enjoys doing, and we feel like our customers appreciate that. One thing Diane has always said is that it's the woman before the dress in terms of our brand, and so that feels to us it feels on brand to highlight interesting women, women writers. And we hope that that's kind of the content that our customers enjoy getting from us because I think our team really enjoys putting that together. Awesome. Listen, guys, I don't know if we can maybe dig down a little bit deeper. What I'd be kind of keen to look at now is maybe which channels are the most important for you. Is it still email or is it now becoming more SMS? Stephanie, maybe you can kick off with that one. What's the most important channel for, for you this season? Sure. So I think within digital marketing, email is still kind of the core center place where we can tell our stories to the most people at once. And within that, then how do you branch out and do the personalization or change things up and test and learn again based on segmentation and who can we drive in? And also uh, from a promo standpoint, how can you run promotions via email exclusive so that you don't have to be running global promotions ongoing? So those are all strategies that we ramp up for sure in Q4. And I think Taylor actually had a really interesting point earlier, which is what is that post-purchase flow and experience for the customer coming out of holiday after you've had these big acquisition moments? So really building out the customer journey in Q1 to make sure that you're engaging and retaining those new customers and keeping them coming back to the site in a, a less promotional timeframe. So I think that that is key to keeping that growth within that email channel. And we are also super excited because we're going to be launching SMS in Q4 as well. So we have been really waiting to get this going. And so we will probably be running some SMS exclusive offers just to start kicking off that list growth right away. And then hopefully really differentiating the messaging strategy between email and SMS because the overlap is so big. Yeah, sure. Sarah, what are your thoughts on that? Are you still email heavy or have you incorporated SMS as well? We have incorporated SMS and it's actually grown a lot for us in the last year. But as Stephanie mentioned, there's a lot of overlap. So when we're kind of planning out, especially for these promotional periods where we're going to send people a lot of messages, making sure that 
the messages we're sending via channel can stand alone if someone is only on one of them, but that they, you know, never contradict or are directly repetitive for the customers who are receiving both. So we're really trying to think about how we like stagger even just in scheduling the messages and we don't want to bombard people. It's the season where they're they're being bombarded by every brand. And I think probably the season that people feel the most fed up with email marketing or SMS marketing. So we do want to be careful that we're not making them feel like they can't get away from us. Um, but um, yeah, we're kind of really working on making sure that our email and our SMS work together. And we see our US audience is very engaged with it and really engaged with the brand. Taylor, I don't know if you want to come in here and talk about SMS versus email. What are, what are your thoughts? I think it's very unique. I think first and foremost, right? It's like understanding and and Stephanie, you said it, right? It's like, what is that overlap and where do consumers prefer to engage? There's just those opportunities where I think sometimes like, you know, you see sometimes there might be like, you know, a pop-up on a website and it's, you know, inner 15% off. And I've now seen the flow start to change from where it like used to just be an email capture. And now it's like, email plus SMS, right? And there's those opportunities to understand like, hey, is is there a preferred method of communication, right? By just like asking the consumer, you know, a, a very simple question before they opt in or at some point during the opt-in process to think about how you communicate. So I think that's really interesting to think about like that overlap. Is there a differentiation of messages or do we think about how do we create this in a way where like it doesn't matter because like they should be able to stand alone on their own and the consumers can make a choice kind of as you alluded to, Sarah. That's one initial thought. The other is, and I think it ties into things that you both talked about and something we talk about a lot at Jebit, right? There is so much, especially in the world of just anything, anything e-commerce related, right? Anything that you can purchase online, so many emails become transactional, transactional, transactional versus like, is there an opportunity to create something more experiential or provide genuine value in a different way, right? Like there might be an opportunity to educate consumers in a differentiated way about some of the things that you were doing, right? Like Sarah, obviously we talked about the DVF community and Stephanie, I know that there's you know, like a very charitable aspect to some of the things Camuto does and, you know, what they're involved with, right? Like, so like creating those moments of like education and being able to tell consumers a little bit more about who you are as a brand, I think are really interesting and doing that to supplement those non-promotional moments. Because there's, of course, a time and a place for transaction. And by the way, sometimes you can weave the two together. You can make it transactional without the messaging of the actual email itself having to be super transactional. So I think to me, it's, it's something that's just like, I've had five conversations in the past three days about this with different people. And it's just email and SMS. Yes, a sales channel, of course, but like truly a retention channel. Because when you start to think about it that way, it naturally starts to evolve into like, oh, okay, like it's a retention channel. It's an LTV channel as well, right? Because you really start to understand the more you engage. And, and I think there's just those moments where engaging with consumers on external channels like social or on your website, right? Being able to take data and information that consumers are giving you because you know the world of data is changing the way consumers are sharing that back with brands is changing so when there's moments to truly like create you know a very human moment with them it's valuable because once that data flows back in it can really inform if it's a net new lead for example right it's like okay well if i also have a little bit more information about them i might be able to automate a specific journey flow versus like your traditional like welcome series onboard series type of flow and i think that's just what consumers are looking for we talk about personalization all the time. And I always think about it as it's actually Joanna from Amarsis said this the first time I ever talked to her. Joanna's the CEO, by the way. She said, to me, there's like a difference between personalization and relevance, right? Like personalization, people might think about as like your first name and an email subject line. Relevance is, am I sending you the right message, the way in which you want to receive that message 
because we know that information, right? We've built that type of relationship. So to summarize it all, I think it's it's just really interesting how I just continue to hear about email, SMS, retention, retention, retention over the past three days. So this is another validating point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've touched upon this a few times throughout the conversation in terms of retention. But what I'd like to kind of steer the conversation towards now is kind of how you keep the momentum going. So post Black Friday in the run up to Christmas, but then also after that period, obviously, you know, marketing continues, we don't just all hibernate for the rest of the winter. So Robin, what are your thoughts on how to keep the momentum going through the holiday season post Black Friday, Cyber Monday, etc.? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things. So, uh, you know, I think we we talk a lot, lot about, uh, you know, this is a great time to acquire new customers, and it, and it certainly is. However, we cannot forget about that list that's been dormant, that's been sitting there. Chances are there are some really good gold in that list. And perhaps, you know, you had somebody who was, who was interacting with you and buying from you, and I don't know, they got distracted. Now's the time to bring them back. That's kind of the first thing that I, I like to talk about is uh, let's not forget to go to that dormant list and let's start to target them and see what we can do to kind of bring them back to us and, and get them going. We've already acquired them. We don't really know if we've lost them. That's one thing. And I will tell you, time and time again, I hear, oh, hey, I hit that dormant list and I got $5 million out of it. This is a great ROI. It's a great way to just find some things that, you know, just dust it off and let's try again. Uh, so that's the first thing I would say. The second thing is, is that, you know, you really, this is table stakes to these folks there. Stephanie, you guys know this. It's about how are you going to treat them moving forward, right? And it really does mean personalization and it means personalization relevance. So they kind of all go hand in hand. And it's a really, really good point because personalization is not just about putting Robin at the top of my email or my text message. It is about personalization. You know, if I bought the Diane von Furstenberg dress in a certain color, don't send me that color again. You know, if I've already bought those boots or I bought a pair of boots, don't, you know, don't market boots to me again. Those are things that, you know, quite unfortunately, we still struggle with as fashion brands. We still do. The data is there, but sometimes we just don't get to the data. And so really relying on that machine learning and the AI underneath to be able to help. We as human beings are only as good as we are, right? We can't do everything. And so let's rely on some of that. You know, let's go ahead and take the step in and let the AI run and let's really see what happens. And then of course you can always go in and tweak, you know, test and learn, test and learn. We all know that it's it's the core of everything that, you know, we do in marketing. So I think those are the things that, you know, once you've acquired the customer, how are you going to treat them? They need to go into a different funnel especially if they're new and you acquire them over the holidays. They need to understand who your brand is. They need to understand the values. Are you into sustainability? What are events coming up? I mean, these are all things that, and we really need to remember to segment them off and treat them differently because in the first 12 months, that's really how we're going to start to, to grow that customer and the lifetime value. And if we don't have a different road that we're sending them down, we do run the risk of losing them. The segmentation gets even more tricky and uh, we have to be even, you know, unfortunately have to be even more creative, right? You know, how many things do we offer customers and how different are they? And then how do we treat them? It can get really difficult, but it, it can be done. And in the end, we kind of know that customers really, they just wanted to be treated special. And uh, what's special to each of us is a little different than everybody else. But that feeling like, oh, that was for me and they're talking to me is really important. Yeah, sure. Stephanie, what are your thoughts on personalization and follow up with your customers? 
Yeah, I agree with everything Robin was saying. And I think moving more towards those predictive segmentation strategies and how do you leverage that. But I think you also, as a team, have to be really intentional about laying out the groundwork of those strategies. Because I think the thing with digital marketing is you can always do more, but how do you make the most out of your time and your team's efforts? So really strategically laying out, we're going to run X amount of tests per month, and they're all going to correlate back towards each other before we then iterate and move forward with those learnings the next month. And so making sure that you're kind of prioritizing by revenue impact is something that we do. And we we are trying to be really planful on a quarterly basis to say, this is how we're going to approach this new strategy or segment and kind of see how we can impact the business before moving forward. Because otherwise, I think you can get into a scenario where you're just, well, let's run a test, let's run a test. But then how does that all tie together at the end of the day? And so if you're more planful, it pays off. Yeah, sure. Sarah? Yeah, I mean, we're we're a really small team. And we, we all want to do everything and try everything. And We've got a lot of great ideas, but it, it can sometimes be hard to be intentional that, okay, what do we try first? Because we can't test everything. We can't make as many changes or as many different iterations of something as we would like to immediately. So that is something where we're, we're trying to test and learn all the time, but also be very conscious of, of trying to test the most valuable things or, or the things that we think the information we get from that test will actually be able to action on. It's a challenge. And one of the further thing I'd like to ask you, Sarah, we were t- obviously we're talking about Black Friday, Cyber Monday, but I know there are other days in the calendar that are important to you, such as International Women's Day. Could you tell us about your marketing around that particular day of the calendar? Yeah. So I think this also sort of circles back to kind of that brand content that's not necessarily transactional. International Women's Day is, happens in March. It's something that the brand does a lot of non-transactional content and programming around, um, but we do tend to also do a promotion globally for that day. And it it does usually have a a charitable component as well. For us, that's really successful, I think, because it is very aligned with what our audience expects from us, but also wants to see from us. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, historically have not been our largest shopping days. Our twice yearly friends and family sale and our International Women's Day events tend to be our, our most engagement. So I think we're we're trying to look at Black Friday, Cyber Monday, more through that lens of these a little bit more branded content producing, you know, something about the brand, not just the promotion, um, tends to have more impact for us. So how can we kind of bring that branded element to, to other promotional periods? Yeah. Stephanie, final word from you. Are there other days in the calendar, such as Sarah's been speaking about, that are important to you? We also run Friends and Family twice a year, so that's an important acquisition moment for us as well. And the only time of the year that our customer can really get that discount. And so that's big for us. But I think beyond that, Cyber Week is kind of our Super Bowl. So just making sure that we're showing up and we are competitive in the marketplace. So we're really looking forward to a successful holiday season. Awesome. What's your Super Bowl, Taylor? <laughs> Every day is a Super Bowl. I don't know. For some reason, I was like, uh, I, can, I can tell Stephanie's competitive. I, and, then you, and then you drop that. So I think that's a validation point. No, I mean, look, I again, it, go, it goes back to what I said at the jump. And it's really a, a jebit. And I'm not going to sit here and give a, you know, a software pitch around what we do. But foundationally, we built our organization around genuine value. That's how we've always thought about it. 
it was our CEO when he thought about the idea, it was just like, there's got to be a better way for brands to engage with consumers and for consumers to feel like they're having a, an actual relationship, I guess, with brands foundationally, like genuine value that is, it has to exist for meaningful relationships to exist, right? Like it's why you still call your best friends because you get value from that. They get value from talking to you. And I think that's really important. So, you know, without giving a pitch, I think it all goes down to genuine value and just like, you know, we always say just ask, right? Like just when there are opportunities to ask consumers, it can become really, really powerful to inform all the things that we've been talking about, right? Like that data that you need for when you're testing and learning and testing and learning and just like getting it directly from consumers to then go, okay, great. We need to optimize this way because they told us so explicitly, right? I think that's very important. And Robin, you said it as well. It's going back to the relevance. It's how do you treat them the first time you engage? We way back and I've been at Jebit for a long time, but we used to say, look, look, if you had an opportunity to sit down, have a cup of coffee with your ideal customer, right? And you had two minutes. So it's got to be a perfect temperature. Like what are the top two to three things you would want to know about them? What are the top two to three things you would want them to know about your brand? But like those just like two to three key things can really inform how you market, right? Like there's been times I, my name's Taylor, you know, it's a, it's a gender neutral name. I, I buy something online from, you know, an athletic retailer, for example, for my wife, yoga pants. And then I'm getting, Hey, here's some great sports bras to match your yoga pants, right. For the next three to six months. And, and again, like it's just not relevant to me and therefore I don't engage and it's just don't even open trash, trash, trash. There are these, these moments where it's, oh, if you took the time to understand that it might be, oh, well, when's your wife's birthday or international women's day? Hey, it's international women's day. Have you thought about purchasing something for your wife? So long story short, genuine value is so, so key and core. Yeah, I think that's a great summing up. And I think, guys, we've had a brilliant conversation today, but I think we better wrap up the conversation. I can't thank you enough for all of your insights and contributions. It really has been fascinating. So thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck for the retail holiday season. Taylor mentioned the Amarsis ebook. You can find that at amarsis.com forward slash black dash Friday. And we always want to hear what you think on the podcast. So if you'd like to contribute to the discussion, you can do so on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. The links for these can be found at the top of the page at csuitepodcast.com. You can also catch up with all our previous shows and follow us for automatic downloads of each episode via your favorite podcast app. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please do give us a positive rating and review. Finally, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can do that via the contact form on the website and you can find me and the C-Suite podcast on LinkedIn. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye.